I'm Jamie. And I'm Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And today is an exciting feast of a day. <laughs> with a choice of word. Yes, I'm trying to pick my choices uh, carefully, you know, <laughs> taking on my Brianisms uh, as producer Brian. <laughs> that's even better and just put light screams in the background while that's happening okay fantastic be our guest be our guest <laughs> well with all of that said today we are talking about the 1974 american horror film classic texas chainsaw massacre Oh, maybe I should have done chainsaw noises. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How was that? That wasn't too bad. That was excellent. I don't think I've ever been near a real chainsaw, so. Oh, my gosh. Don't quick come story. for me. Well, quick story time about being around actual chainsaws. Ooh. In my elementary Catholic school, I want to uh, reiterate the word Catholic school, kindergarten through eighth grade, we would have a haunted breezeway every year. And so <laughs> instead of going trick-or-treating, they would basically just have this big Halloween party at the school. And we had these long little outside breezeways. And so it was kind of like an outdoor haunted house. And at the end of the haunted house would always be a man with a chainsaw. Of course, the actual blades or the chain would be off of the chainsaw, mm -hmm. but he would chase uh, all these elementary school kids around with this uh, fully functioning chainsaw and that was the start of me being scared of chainsaws so yes <laughs> I mean at least your fear is based off of something like terrifying that happened yes. to you oh my god it was really intense just because and I still can't even think saying it now I can't believe that that was actually a thing but it <laughs> happened every single year and somebody's parent volunteered to be the one to chase us around with a chainsaw without the chain and that is so rude that's awful very it was very rude but a very very fun time and one year I won the costume contest I dressed oh, nice. as a caveman <laughs> <laughs> Love it. The bone and everything. Okay. <laughs> so, going back to the OG Texas Chainsaw Massacre in 1974, it was directed and produced by Toby Hooper from a story and a screenplay by Hooper and Kim Hinkle. And this movie stars Marilyn Burns, Paul A. Partain, Edwin Neal, Jim Cito, and Gunnar Hansen. Now, obviously, heavy spoilers for this wonderful, wonderful script of a film, but any trigger warnings, Jamie, that you would like to say? <sighs> I mean, if you can think it, it's it probably happened in this movie. Um, 
There's a lot of insides on the outside. Um, uh, cannibalism. Uh, lots of bones. If you don't, if you're not mm. a fan of bones, mm-hmm. this is certainly not the film for you. And, and I just um, want to be clear: Jamie is not talking about the Fox television show Bones. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> the procedural drama Bones, of which I watched every single episode of. Uh, mm. Not that bone. So if you have a mm. bone to pick, it's because you thought we were uh, watching the wrong oof. bones. Claps, hand claps uh, for for Brian we, for that one. Do we clap for that? I don't. I don't know. I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, before we get into all of this, I actually just have a question for you guys because I want to know your thoughts about Jordan Peele's new trailer, Nope, because uh, I don't think we all have talked about this together. So can one one of you start, tell me what you thought, tell me what your expectations are. It's exciting times here. It's very exciting times. I don't even know. I still don't understand it. And I'm okay because like, I don't want to know what I'm getting into. I kind of, mm-hmm. I want to keep it, you know, open-ended. Um, the, I mean, I'm excited by all of the faces of all the people that I saw that are going to be in it. Um, something that struck me was not even in the main trailer, but in the teaser, I just thought that it was interesting that they paralleled images from Get Out and Us like next to oh, each other, yes. like the two main characters, uh, they like superimposed their faces next to each other and mm-hmm. they were both crying. And that's the only thing that I'm like, okay, is that going to mean, I mean, other than people crying, I'm sure people will cry, but like, <laughs> yeah. is that going to be meaningful for Nope? So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I will always be excited for anything Jordan Peele does. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm just like really hyped. I, I just like, can't wait. Yes. What about you, Brian? Uh, what if I was like, it looks dumb. Uh, <laughs> I hate it. No, I mean, we're take. getting a new producer then. Bye. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm in. Like his name means a lot. The fact that people get hyped for his horror movies is really hard to do in Hollywood. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very excited for it. Um, you said it in the TikTok, Nikisha. Like, I'm looking forward to what the allegory is. That's my favorite thing about horror movies. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing about horror movies is if it, you can pinpoint a horror movie by decade, not by the necessarily the like technology it uses, but right. by mm-hmm. what it's de- what it's talking about. Like, mm-hmm. like the invasion of the body snatchers and all of that stuff. Like, is very like cold war type of stuff and then you have get out which is like the most now you know in Mm -hmm. you know um us and how how do we relate to the trauma of our heritage and 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 stuff we obviously being a royal term because i have very different generational trauma than other people do um but um it just it's just fascinating and I look forward to what he's doing with it because he's so good at making a horror movie and like actually scaring me and making it feel real and genuine and not mm-hmm. having to rely on the special effects. But on the flip side of that, like what he's trying to say is just as equally important. And it just always makes a very satisfying movie, whether or not I love it or just like it because I love right. get out. I really liked, um, 
us. Um, but they all were just like satisfying meals, if that makes sense. So I, I'm yeah. looking forward to this one as well. He just has such a good eye. Uh, he's such a good uh, – he's just uh, – he's, he's spectacular. He's so talented. Yeah. yeah. Even, so talented, even in yeah. Key and Peel, like I think about Key yes. and Peel all the time. And they're – the scary stuff, like it always was – like horror comedy, but their scary stuff like was scary. Yeah, and like mm-hmm. I credit, I I totally credit him with that. And like I just, I, yeah, any anything that has his name on it, I will always you know get excited for. Like Absolutely. just look at the Urkel sketch when Urkel oh. like like that Family Matters sketch is hilarious, but like the way it's shot is terrifying. <laughs> it's pretty terrifying. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but it was a good trailer, and Jamie found something online. I don't know if we want to say it on here. The what the title might mean. Oh, uh, that it might be a what an anagram for. I, I forget what it yeah. was. Uh, not of oh. planet Earth. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone also said that it could be. Open, as in it's just um, you know open to oh, like rearrange yes, the letters, uh-huh. rearrange the letters. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just digging this one. Like this trailer told us nothing, as well as gave us tone so much. Like yes. I love that the tra- so, okay. Here's a good example. The trailer was great because it opens with history. It opens with trauma. Mm-hmm. It opens with generational, you know, like what's being passed down and what it means to these characters. So the the trailer actually open, and then you have the two of them kind of doing that um, video or whatever they were, were filming. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm also really open. excited about Kiki Palmer being in this. Totally. Yes. She's Kiki really Palmer. funny too. So I'm, it's like a very interesting tone to like see her in a horror film. Right. Especially with Daniel, who mm-hmm. is the quintessential drama actor. And now mm-hmm. to have those two together, it's, it's going to be Something. a lot of things happening. <laughs> and Yeah. But it's a, I agree with what you said, Brian, and the fact that people are getting excited about horror movies, and that's very hard to do. And it's truly a testament to Jordan Peele's work and and what he's doing for the whole genre in general, and just kind of combining all those things too. Like you're talking about Jamie, just with comedy and and bringing kind of that lightness as well, so everyone can kind of get a taste of something different. While there's also just this other looming meaning or general idea that he's trying to say in whatever the movie is. And it's, yeah, it's going to be really exciting. Aliens attack. Can't wait. Uh. I'd also, I'd also like to say Jamie and I have watched some pretty wild trailers for horror movies mm-hmm. lately. Um, some things that definitely stand out are flux gourmet. Oh my mm. God. Oh my God. Nikisha watched the trailer. Okay. It's wild. Wild. Um, okay. We also watched the trailer for Hell is Empty, uh, Crabs, Cosmic Dawn, <laughs> mm-hmm. Shining Veil, vale, the new Firestarter movie, Tethered, mm. Men. Mm. Uh, oh, A24. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Dark Glasses, mm-hmm. Ultrasound, mm. and then... Uh, uh, I think those are the those are the big wild ones. So there have been a lot Dark of glasses is the Dario Argento one, right? Yeah. The, uh-huh. the guy that made Suspiria. Yeah. Like the oh. OG one. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. 
So there's this a lot like of weird stuff coming out. That that ultrasound one was also weird and very interesting and super trippy. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so there there's some really cool stuff coming out. And the Firestarter one looked really good too. Um, mm-hmm. There's some good stuff. And we'll do that movie for sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's it. That was cool. Yes. <laughs> I'll have to definitely look into all of that. We need to post this somewhere too so other people can look at these trailers and tell us their thoughts of these. But mm-hmm. I have not maybe, heard. Maybe a TikTok? Maybe a little TikTok, maybe a TikTok Tiki-tacky. moment. Fantastical. Well, we should get into the OG Texas Chainsaw, which we are preparing for because the new one is coming out in a couple of days. So we just have to brush up on our things, but we need a two-minute summary of this. I feel like it will take less than two minutes. What's the plot? <laughs> Anyone want to volunteer? If not, then I will volunteer as tribute. I'll do it. Okay. <laughs> we just watched Fantastical. it. It was a it was a lovely Valentine's uh, evening. Mm-hmm, oh, mm-hmm. Yes, happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Well, <laughs> by the time you get this, it'll be post Valentine's Day. But we hope you had a good one, mm-hmm, Jamie and Brian, mm-hmm. full uh, of ate Texas and watched this. And <laughs> yeah, chainsaws. We, I mean, we ate sushi, so we were having raw meat. Ah. <laughs> ah. <laughs> All right. Tell me, tell me when uh, you are ready. Jamie, are you doing a Oh, yes. I can can do the the little timer. All right. Get ready, get set, and go. So a group of teenagers in 1973 go to a small Texas town because a cemetery has been grave robbed. And everyone's like, what's happening? But they go check to see if their grandpa is still buried there. He is. Hoof. Uh, and then they didn't get gas, those silly kids. But before they try to find gas, they pick up a hitchhiker because, like, sure, why not? He's also the craziest, creepiest hitchhiker of all time. And he, they, he, they, it's very unsettling. He cuts himself, uh, and then he cuts the uh, the brother in the mm-hmm. uh, in the in the van, and then they kick him out. But they don't drive away fast enough because, like, I don't understand anyone's um, concept of time in this movie. Um, <laughs> and then he rubs his blood on on the van and my assumption is that he marked the van because they go to a gas station to try and get gas and what there's no gas uh and so they end up driving away but they end up stopping at at one of the houses um that maybe their grandfather owned uh, unsure of how that was um and then they travel over to like the next door neighbor or another house in the land unsure um long story short there's a group of cannibals living there who are also at the actual gas station uh and they kill almost all of them except for the final girl um she she's scared she runs to the gas station oh no they're cannibals too they trap her they start to like torture her they're gonna eat her she escapes there's a big scene on the road but a trucker saves her and then she finds another pickup truck and she hops in the back and she maniacally laughs as she drives away and leatherface is dancing his dance oh that joker dance he dances that joker dance is the joaquin (laughs) phoenix of 1974 that joker dance it is Oh my gosh, yes. So, uh, you know, a lot to dissect here. Uh, A a whopping (laughs) probably, uh, well, yes. (laughs) I'm not even trying with these choice of words. They're just coming at me. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) 
So yes, a lot to dissect with this probably 10 page script because wow, was there just a lot of screaming for a good hour of this hour and 30 minute film. But mm-hmm. let's just start off with, have you seen this before? What is your relationship with this movie? And then give me some likes and gripes about this. Jamie, do you want to start? Sure. Um, so I think this is only the second time that I've actually seen this movie. Mm. Um, even though like I've watched all of these horror adjacent things that have referenced it, have like talked about all of the, all of the like, you know, main highlights and, um, like scariest scenes and all of that. So like my familiarity with this film is, is very familiar, but like actually sitting and watching it in my today rewatch of, of Valentine's day, <laughs> I realized that like, I forgot a lot of like the buildup. I, I, you know, I remembered the hitchhiker. Um, I remembered them just like kind of wandering and then like, you know, being stalked by Leatherface and, and it's, what really struck me while watching it was like, honestly, how deeply unsettling it is. The buildup is just like, I I was just so uncomfortable. And then I was like, why Mm. are we eating sushi while watching this film? Like it actually took away my appetite. And I can't say that Mm. happens to me very often watching horror movies, even gory movies. Um, and I will also say that I am not like a gore porn person. There's like a limit of what I'm willing to watch because like, I just don't find it entertaining. Um, so like I can, I'll watch the saw movies because like, I don't know, they get like sillier and sillier, but like I have no interest in hostile. That's just not for me. Um, Ah, uh so, and like body horror to a degree, if it's like, if it's like a titan where it's like, you know, you have to see this movie, but if it's, if it's just, you know, gross for the sake of being gross, like that's just not, not my thing. Um, but like even, even without like the amount of time that it takes to actually get inside of this house, Mm -hmm. it's still really unsettling and creepy. And, you know, again, like with the hitchhiker, like, there's clearly something going on where he is like just not, I mean, there's like a point where he's connecting with the brother with Franklin, um, Mm -hmm. over, uh, what was it? Head, head cheese. Is that what they called it? Uh Yes. Um, Head cheese. Okay. Um, I, that's not, I don't want to eat that. That's not for Mm -mm. me. Um, Mm -mm. but like they had the weird connection, but then it got, then it like clearly got, uncomfortable and, and they like kick him out of the thing, but it's just like, it's just so weird. And everyone's reactions just seem so like, are they all really that naive? Is that really like how exactly. it worked in the seventies? Um, I just, I, I, it, yeah. So like, it's, it's really uncomfortable. And then you finally meet Leatherface and you're just like, what the hell is going on? Like, who is this man? Mm-hmm. Um, you get the, the bones, like, let's not forget about the bones. Oh, um, there's a lot of bones. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very bone heavy movie. I just want to keep saying bone. I like the, the sound of the word bone coming out of my mouth. Um, but the bones didn't bother me. It was all of the like rotting flesh, fleshy things, mm-hmm. uh, the, the fleshy face mask, 
the oh, grandpa, good old grandpa. Oh, um, no. Yeah, grandpa with the sucking of the finger, like all of that. It's just like so yeah. unsettling. Um, and then, and I had forgotten who the final girl was. So I, I was like excited when, um, when like things were unfolding and you're like, okay, is she actually going to like make it out? But I did remember right. like the final scene of her laughing maniacally in the back of the pickup truck. Mm-hmm. So like there are things that stood out, but yeah, deeply, deeply unsettled and disturbed way more than I thought I would be on this rewatch. Okay. That, that is a lot. Some of those things I definitely felt watching this. This was my first time watching hmm. the OG because I remember being in theaters and watching the mid 2000s remake, mm. Texas Chainsaw. Maybe it was, I think I looked it up so, it was 2013. There are, I'm going to take a little moment here just to go through the uh, number of yes. Texas Chainsaw. Mm. Uh, massacre films. Um, Nikisha, I also have, I've never seen a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie until today. This is my first one ever of any of them. Nice. Um, we saw the one from 1974, the original one. There's Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 from 1986. Then there's Leatherface, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. That's from 1990. Then Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation is in 95. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like Star Trek Next Generation. (laughs) Right. (laughs) The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The next one was in 2003. Um, That one was produced by Michael Bay. Jessica Biel. Yeah. uh Uh-huh. Okay. No. Then there's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Beginning, which is like a prequel to like how they became cannibals or whatever. Then there's mm. Texas Chainsaw – or maybe – I don't know. There's Maybe not. Then there's Texas Chainsaw <laughs> 3D. Beats me what that's about. Uh, and then there's Leatherface. That was in 2017. And then uh, next week, or if you're listening to this in a year, it already came out, uh, the <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre – or sorry – Texas Chainsaw Massacre um, comes out on on Netflix. So there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, including the new one. Mm. That's insane. I did not – I don't think I realized there were that many – Leather faces going oh, around. Oh, sorry. But wait. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. There are nine Texas Chainsaw Massacres in the chain. Oh, using the, the word franchise. I'm a. I'm the monster. I'm the monster. <laughs> gotta know how this works. Oh, nine in the chain. I think I only saw the Texas Chainsaw 3D one. I could not tell you what was going on. I just know that Leatherface <laughs> was there and people died. So mm. I'm sure. And he was it, in your face because it was 3D. Exactly. He took everyone's face in that theater, 3D, mm. the, the magics of 3D. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this was my first time watching it. And I don't know. I was trying to think to myself, horror movies during this time and the purpose behind are are we just trying to have more gore are we just trying to be unsettling because I was very disappointed at the lack of any kind of character development I mean even Halloween you're giving you're giving me something so that's why I was thinking maybe this is just one of those there is a slasher there are a group of kids in the woods and that's that's where we're going you know uh 
So I didn't have any sympathy for anyone who died. And Hmm. even with the final girl, it was a very, very long chase scene. Uh, Her in the woods, her on the road, whatever happened to the guy in the truck? Because he just runs the opposite way. (laughs) That was my question as the second it ended. Like, what happened to truck driver? Also, like, why didn't truck driver drive away? Drive away. But the the human behavior choices in this, that's also just what really got me. Uh, Because if you go into the, and we'll get more into this, but just going off of what Jamie said in the bone room with the first girl, it seemed like she was just there for a good 10 minutes just screaming and looking at the bones and to me if you feel like you are in an unsafe situation even if your fight flight which we'll get into that is not so great to be stand standing there laying in those or laying in those bones for 10 minutes I just got frustrated at everyone I was mad at everyone in this movie I was actually mad that there was a final girl because I felt like everyone just needed to just be oft because of how crazy their choices and decisions were but just as uh, yes and then the fact that Leatherface got hit with a wrench and that was what that's what (laughs) bested him was having a wrench thrown in his face and then you know people got away it was a it was an interesting it was interesting time lots of screaming I'm glad that I did watch it but would I watch it again? It's very uh, debatable, but we'll get into other logistics of certain scenes and things that we thought. So, Brian, what do you think? Uh, I really – this is my first time watching it ever. I, I, I The only thing I knew about this movie was Leatherface and the final shot. I, knew, I, I had seen the, like – cackling in the pickup truck like leaving like i knew that's how it ended but beside from that i did not know anything i really liked this because i had i had crazy low expectations because you're a monster because i'm a sociopath (laughs) Uh, no i like this because my expectations were super duper low and this was the same trap that happened for me with black christmas um, mm. I just expected it to be like one of the first slash movies from the seventies, but, um, I, you know, I'm the idiot who keeps going into these seventies movies thinking that they're going to be subpar when they're actually pretty good for what they're doing. Halloween, this one, um, uh, black Christmas. They're, are they perfect? No. Do they have their flaws? I mean, for sure, but they're, <laughs> they're great. Like I even said to Jamie, like this movie feels like a haunted house. This feels mm. like the haunted mm. house that we went to um, this this Halloween. Like the idea that the house like had all these like bone rooms and like it's all like mm-hmm. curated and done up like a haunted house room. Like I feel like every single haunted house has that like cannibal layer where like you hear the yeah. chainsaw. But the thing is, it all comes from this movie. So like. It, but but her being chased and all that like it felt like a haunted house and mm-hmm. and like I enjoyed part of that and I did not enjoy part of that it just depended on what was happening I think I enjoyed it from like a production value and and how scary mm-hmm. it was at times I did not enjoy it from the human uh, behavior choosing what they were going to do perspective like you said Nikisha um, yeah. but overall. I thought this movie was way more artistic than I thought it was going to be. Mm. A lot of those long shots in the movie um, 
or it's what makes it unsettling like that whole sequence in the car like just cutting in between back and forth between them and like mm-hmm. actually like I, not long shots i didn't mean that i meant like like the frame of the shot in terms yeah. of like having them all in it um and same thing with him when he's blow when um franklin is bl- trying to get into the house and blowing the raspberries at them like it's stupid but it's unsettling at the same time if that makes sense super weird yeah yeah, um, I, I also wrote down uh, tying her up when she when she goes to the gas station and we're watching the process in which he ties her up. Like that mm-hmm. is way too long, but that's what makes it unsettling. And I think that adds mm-hmm. to the tone of the movie. Same thing yeah. with her torture at the end. It's just like relentless with the screams. So I was shocked at at like what this movie actually did. Um, mm. I also think that like. Don't get me wrong. I do not think that they did great backstory or anything like that. But I was surprised there even was a story. Like, that they were going mm. to see their grandpa's grave and that, like, these yeah. people, they're, like, the brother's action, the 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 cannibal brother's actions of stealing from the grave site, and then his dad yells at him later, is actually what brought these kids there. And then, like, he was able to mark the van, and so the van went to the gas station and whatever, like, however they got them to the thing, whatever, um, mm-hmm. the house. But, like, I don't know. This was way, 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 way more... Um, interesting than I yeah. actually ex- I expect it to be like a boring 1970s slasher that's like overly gory and it and it was but it wasn't boring um, at all I was really engaged I did not know how torture porny this was gonna be um, yeah. at all like that whole last like 25 minutes of just like them screaming i really enjoyed this a lot i also like the subtlety of a lot of things where like they're talking about like how a cow dies and they say like oh they have to Mm. hit him in the hammer twice the first guy that dies in this movie gets hit with a hammer twice by leather face like he didn't go down the first time he's gonna do it with the second one like i just really enjoyed this movie just because of my expectations Do, do i think it's perfect no no but i think of all of the originals that I've watched in the past yes. two years. So that's uh-huh. like Halloween, Black Christmas, um, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street. I, I don't know if this is my favorite one, but this ranks really highly among them for me. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, that's that's all great takes. And expectation is everything. And we talk about that a lot with a lot of the movies that we go through. And truly because of how many movies were made, even though I didn't know how many Texas Chainsaws there were, but just knowing that it is an an integral part of the horror genre, I had higher expectations for what Mm. the OG would be. Especially because I thoroughly enjoyed Black Christmas and there... And I and what was unsettling for me was that there was no motive with the killer. Spoiler alerts for this right. uh, movie. Oh yeah, you should listen to that episode first and, and watch yeah. that episode. Yes. Oh, but Nikisha, on that note, sorry. One other thing that that ties directly to what you just said is, mm-hmm. I really liked that moment in the movie, and I know it's going to sound silly when Leatherface like kills someone or hooks her up or he does something I forget and then he goes to the window like he's really torn up about what he did and then he sits Mm. down in the mask and you just see his eyes like just super confused and then he starts licking his lips but like I don't know like obviously like this is exploitative of you know uh, potentially someone with a mental illness like maybe it's inbreeding like cannibalism like 
all that stuff. But like that moment of kind of like reflection from Leatherface where like he doesn't know if like he did the right thing. Will his father approve of him? What will grandpa think? Like I really captured that in that moment. And I yeah. appreciated that moment. Similar, the opposite of what Black Christmas does, where it's like it doesn't matter who the bad guy is. Like this one gave a little right. bit more. This movie gave a little bit more background to the bad guys than I ever expected. Hmm. Oh, that's just so interesting. I, I wanted more of that. But speaking on just Leatherface and his introduction, I will say the part that I enjoyed the most was when Leatherface was first introduced in that house because if you listen back to it, there's no music that's happening because usually with horror movies and you're building up the tension and suspense, there's some type of music or some some type of sound effect that is giving it away or preparing you for the fact that something is going to happen and truly nothing is happening. The Mm -hmm. first guy is just intruding in the house, which to me... I will never understand someone who just feels the need that if someone is not at home to just walk into their house anyway, but that's beside the point. And he gets there and he's just, you know, looking around for someone so that he can get the gas because he hears a generator going on or something going on and he says, oh, this person has gas. And so he's just trying to find the people so they can get gas for the car or whatever. And out of nowhere, it doesn't prepare you. Leatherface just comes through a room and just hits him on the head. And I thought to myself, oh, that's so genius because you're not expecting, there was nothing about that scene that gave it away, that Mm -hmm. the killer was coming, that you know what is happening, what is going on. And usually in that kind of sense, you get in these movies where the intro is that somebody has died or something's going on, which I will say that intro was pretty wild with everything that was happening in Texas because, oh my gosh, there's what a cholera outbreak plus the graves being dug up. Plus there was other things that were happening. And so they kind of set it up in that way. It's not a, Oh, we see a succession of murders that are similar. There's a serial killer out there. It was Mm -hmm. the setup was nice in in the fact that it was a whole bunch of other different things happening. And so you really don't know what's going to befall these kids in a way unless I mean, of course, we all know Leatherface and Texas Chainsaw, but Mm -hmm. the movie doesn't set it up. So you just don't know exactly what's going to happen. And so I I will appreciate the fact his intro. They also totally. And I, I think that the editing helps set that up and the diegetic sound of this movie does it like there's no mm-hmm. underscoring. Like it's just the gas tank and it's just yeah. the motor and it's just the creaking of the stairs and the wind and all of that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Like when he's tying up the girl, it's just the crickets in the background. Like right. all that stuff is awesome. And like more terrifying than anything else, because like it really feels like she's alone um mm-hmm. there's not like a 10 piece 40 piece orchestra like somewhere there i guess right <laughs> um but also on the flip side of that like what i really liked about the beginning is they talk about how hot it is and you can see how hot it is and like you said mm-hmm. all those crazy things that are happening in texas at that time like it oh it really does feel like they're setting up the fact that, like this is hell um, and yeah. you're driving into hell. And and I love that like intro that John Larroquette um uh said, like uh does the voiceover for like all that stuff. Like I like the mm-hmm. idea that this mm-hmm. is like semi-documentary, even though it's like not. I like the idea that mm-hmm. it's based right. on a true story, even though it's not. There's just like 
like Jamie said at the very beginning of this podcast, it's just very unsettling, the whole thing. And I can imagine being in a movie theater in 1974 where, one, you can barely see the chase through the the, the woods. Through the woods, yeah. One, you can barely see, like at the beginning with the um, taking of the pictures of like the bodies and stuff like that, where it's like black mm-hmm. and you hear like uh, something happening and then you see like a finger and then like all of that, like, and then the screaming. Yeah. Like I can imagine sitting there in a movie theater just like with no music, just people screaming at you. It's very like 70s avant-garde in some ways. But like I can imagine <laughs> that experience like like being really uncomfortable because like we were maybe 25% uncomfortable in our own living room. I can imagine if you're like all in seeing this for the first time in 1970s movie theater, like it's 110% uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I was going to say, yes, for 1970, this movie, especially with the gore porn of it all. But then again, I, I still would prefer black Christmas or Halloween over. So I guess I'll take back saying that, for the time period, because there are other things in that exact same time period that I feel are more superior than this. Uh, But side note, (laughs) I just want to point out, and then we can get into some other uh, mentally human behavior things about this. I was just happy to see, and this is going to sound really awful, but the hooks and when he's pulling up the girl to hook her on the meat hooks in the... Mm -hmm in the cellar only because mm-hmm. of just dead by daylight. And I need to figure out a way to actually try to play that game <laughs> while I'm on the road <laughs> and figure out because that's truly, I was just like, Oh, this is giving me actual life. I feel like I'm just watching a, a live game. That's, that's happening right now. He's mm-hmm. getting, you know, he's getting all those quote unquote survivors. There's no surviving here. The killer is winning. Leatherface is, is winning. And I also will say as, as far as a horror movie villain, I want to say this is the first time I've ever seen a killer actually running to get his victims. And I felt mm-hmm. uh, very happy about that as far as human behavior goes because you have the Michael Myers of it all, the Jason of it all, and they are just walking and these people are running and they still catch up with them, you know, the horror movie trope. But Leatherface is actually hauling ass to get to these people with the big ass chains on his hand. I commend him for that. Leatherface's cardiovascular stamina (laughs) is truly (laughs) incredible in this film. He's running with a chainsaw, with a mask on, and a heavy apron – through the darkness, like, and he's, like, not only holding the chainsaw, but he's exerting energy by, like, chopping down trees. Like, what right. What a guy. <laughs> a superhero, if you will. Marvel, um, you're next person. <laughs> Except without the cannibalism things. I, maybe that's yeah. yeah. All right. I have a question about cannibalism. <laughs> oh, God. Here we go. I understand that cannibalism is bad. But like, why is it bad? Like, why why do we always assume that these like th- these movies like make these characters mentally ill and they're cannibals? Like, I I, I don't know. Like, I, maybe Hannibal Lecter is the one uh, not example of that. But I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like, I'm anti cannibal. Don't get me wrong. But like, I yeah, feel what like what are you trying to say? I feel right? like. Need- <laughs> I feel Everyone like when, to, I wish they could hear, see Jamie's face right now as Brian is explaining just, um, this question. Confused, scared, maybe a little scared. I'm not since I, we share 
living quarters. <laughs> I've never eaten anybody. I don't want to eat anybody. That doesn't interest me. I don't. I don't feel like. But I guess like, is it tied into the fact of like, like survival? Meaning like you don't eat yourself. Like it's an ego thing, or I I don't like you mm. stay alive. Like, but like eating another person is like terrible when it's your own choice. But also like do like if you're eating someone else to survive, like you get stuck on K two or so or like something like that. An expedition, you have to eat the person next to you. They give themselves up or whatever. Like 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 uh, life of pie or whatever it is. Like. I don't know. Oh my gosh. I think cannibalism is a very interesting thing, especially the way it's depicted in movies. I feel like the only time it's ever depicted as something like a little bit more elegant, even though it's bad, it's inherently bad, is like like a silence of the lambs or the Hannibal TV show where it's like they're, they're juxtaposing the beauty of cooking um, with those gorgeous Mm. shots with the fact that everyone's enjoying it with the fact that like you're, you're doing something like that's like not socially norm. Um, I, I just find it interesting. I don't know the point I'm trying to make, but I feel like capitalism <laughs> is always depicted as like the Nazis of movies, if that makes sense. Like you inherently know Nazis are bad. So you do not have to think about like if they're doing good, what is good or bad. Same thing with mm-hmm. cannibals. Like if your bad guy is a cannibal, immediately bad. But like, like it, I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. You're just saying you want to be friends with Hannibal Lecter. No. But mostly because you don't want him to eat you, so you befriend him so that you stay safe. Yeah, but then he's going to feed you people. Yeah, I don't know what I'm saying. I guess I'm commenting on cannibals in media. Yes. Sure. I I think it's, like, often, like – the it's like the Hannibal Lecter is the interesting depiction because more often than not, it is the it's othering. It's like mm. any other type of um, depiction of like, uh, man, I mean, on the, the main thing that's coming to mind is cannibal Holocaust, which I haven't seen. And it's on my list. But again, it's like, I know I have to gear myself up for that. And I don't know if I'm like, yeah, <laughs> there. Yeah. Uh, but like i feel like the depiction in movies is often you know the <clears throat> the um uh like natives yeah and mm. and i was like what what movies am i even thinking of cuz i can't think of anything right now um natives like inbred. or like yeah or i think even more recently um well, i guess it's kind of like cannibal holocaust cuz that that is about like a a crew like stumbling upon like a native community and then um, you know, becoming cannibalized, um, Mm -hmm. spoilers, but there's another, there's another thing that's come up, um, with Wendigos. Um, are, are either of you familiar with that video game until dawn? No. Which is popular like in the last couple of years or so, I think 2013, I can't remember. Um, but there's a, there's like a, a folklore about how like you turn into this creature, um, called a Wendigo. Um, and it comes, it, it's, you're at higher risk if you indulge in cannibalism. Um, and so it's like, if you are, which is interesting. Cause it's like, if you're in some kind of situation where like it's dire and you yeah. don't have access to, you know, other resources, then you're also like running the risk of kind of no longer being human as a result of like mm. your actions. Um, 
which also makes me think of Yellow Jackets, which we have not gotten any further in. But, um, you know, another another thing where it's like that's where I feel like it's either like, na- like you know, historically these like native communities, which again, again, it's like very othering. And then now it's like people who are in like situations where they need to survive and and like that's that's it being depicted, but not – not as, I mean, I don't know, maybe there are more of the kind of, um, uh, Texas chainsaw type vibes, um, Mm -hmm. of other things in like the seventies, eighties. Um, what's the, now I'm thinking of another movie. Uh, what's the Wes Craven movie? Um, I don't know if there's, if there's cannibalism in it, but, um, why can't I think of it? Hills have eyes. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's cannibalism in that. I've never seen it. Yeah, I haven't mm-hmm. seen it either. But I'm pretty sure there's also cannibalism. But that that I feel like falls under the bucket of like the Texas Chainsaw type cannibalism. Mm, yeah. I don't know if anything that I said made any sense. Now that I'm <laughs> reflecting back. No, it did. No, this is yeah. We're just reflecting on. Like where cannibalism is featured in films and often just seems like very not realistic. And like knowing that, I think, or like the way that it's depicted and like the communities that they are showing feels very like not good. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, as Brian was saying, I don't think that we are pro cannibalism on this podcast. Um, But I think just like then the, the, the ways that they double down on how they're depicting people who have engaged in cannibalism is like what you're saying about like, you know, when, when they say that someone's like a Nazi, you like know that they're just like all, all bad. There's no redeeming qualities. Mm -hmm. And I feel like historically, like that's what they're trying to say when in, in some of these like, um, more like seventies, eighties, like older, older movies, not really the contemporary things. I feel like contemporary things, it's like the only people who would do cannibalism are people who like needed to do it to survive. Mm. And these are like, you know, people who are are going through hardships and like, you know, like the, the way that they're depicting people, like seems like a huge shift compared to like how they were using this in the past. Yeah. Well, especially with the association of someone with a mental, a heavy mental disorder, Mm -hmm. as we see in this one, you can tell that there's something going on in that realm that is kind of the cause or why they believe it's okay in their brain to Mm -hmm. just capture these people and eat them, even though they don't give any justification or a purpose to why it is. They just kind of lend itself to, oh, these people obviously have something mentally going on with them. And that's what is the catalyst for that to, to kind of be the case until you get into the silence of the lambs where the person, if you didn't know any better, just seems or puts on kind of a normalcy and is intelligent and, Mm -hmm but also just decides that that's what he wants to do is just eat people. And it's, yeah, it, it's really, <laughs> yeah. it's really random. But for the seventies mm-hmm. depiction of just having a gore porn, I feel like that's the, the extremist way that you can go. Like what's the worst possible thing that you could be doing? Of course, it's just randomly killing people for no reason, but then let's take it a, a step further 
with the 70s and just say they're also eating these people. So maybe it's just one of those we're trying to stretch the the limits of what we can put out on TV. Because when did Hannibal Lecter come out? Do you know? Was that in the 80s? Or sorry, Silence the, of the Lambs. Was that 90s? Si- well, Silence of the Lambs was Winds early 90s. But okay, the first yeah. movie came out in the 80s. Um, and uh, I think the books were written in the early 80s. Yeah. Mm, 88. Yeah. So it's like all about that same time period. But also I think like what you're saying, Nikisha, like Hannibal Lecter is, I mean, he, he is a psychiatrist. He Mm -hmm. like is intelligent. Like, I think this is kind of in line with like our conversation around like psychopaths and sociopaths Mm -hmm. and, and, um, who also like happens to be (laughs) just casually happens to be a a cannibalistic serial killer. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, mm, yes. Any other thoughts about cannibalism? I think. No, I'm I'm really happy I started us off on that grounded foot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I guess like, yeah, I'm thinking more about its depiction in things that like have cult followings or like, I, I feel like it falls under a bucket of like, um, like exploitative, uh, like exploitation films in mm-hmm. the seventies and eighties. And like, that's, that's what it makes me think of, but they're also like yeah. exploiting these populations. Now I feel like I have my words coming out in the way that my <laughs> brain was working, but like, yeah, like exploiting these different populations and then depicting them in this way. And, and now, and then we get the handball lector where it's kind of like twisting that on its head significantly. And, mm-hmm. um, and like is disturbing, but like in a different way beyond just just the cannibalism, which in and of itself is disturbing. Right. Now here's just a random question because we're just talking about cult followings with this and it's this movie in particular is place in the horror movie genre. Do you think that this was something that was received well at the time because of all of the movies that were uh, coming out with? just slasher movies in general? Or do you think that this was a movie that grew over time and people just, you know, as we are talking about it now, discussing its importance and what it might have been trying to say in in that time period. And then that's why it is given a place in the genre as kind of a a cult following. What do you, which, which do you think? I don't know definitively, but I, from my basic understanding. I think that, uh, there was probably a lot of issues in terms of like the degree of violence and gore. Um, Mm. as like, I think a lot of these, I think a lot of these types of films that we've been talking about, like, um, like cannibal Holocaust, things like that, like they all have issues with like the MPAA. So like, then that becomes problematic, but I I don't think it, I don't think that it's like, I don't think when it came out, it was like, regaled as like the best horror movie ever. And I, I'm sure people found the violence like very, like just were not into it at all. And then on the flip side, you know, with, um, with the, I mean, with the final girl and other things, like, I don't know, a lot of the things that Brian was talking about, I feel like some folks I'm sure found it like incredibly imaginative and, and, you know, a really interesting depiction within like the horror genre. So I feel like it probably got a really mixed bag when it came out and then kind of with time, um, kind of seeing where other things 
pulled from tech. I, I think that's often like where you get people to revisit things is mm-hmm. like when other directors and writers are like pulling things from they're influenced by Texas right. Chainsaw Massacre and then like right. featuring some element in in newer, more contemporary things. Then people go back and they're like, oh, okay, like now I see the influence it holds. Now I see, you know, more of um, like what the impact that that this has on on pop culture and things like that. So mm-hmm. that's that's my guess. Yeah. Brian, do you have any thoughts about that? Well, I know because I read the Wikipedia. It was very, oh, yeah. very mixed. <laughs> Um, at okay. the time, some people, I mean, honestly, it's exactly what Jamie said. Half of them mm. thought it was awesome and brilliant. Yeah. And then it's like the next, the new level of horror movies. The other half thought it was despicable. This is so bloody and awful. It's not doing anything. It's just like torture yeah. porn. And then over time, like, you know, whether you like it or not, it set a new standard uh, for like what you could do in movie theaters, whether you think it's art or not, or whatever the case may be. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So I, I think it's just like anything. I feel like anything that is like that moves an art or something forward is not universally loved. Yeah. Hmm. I'll take, I'll take that. I had truly no clue about it it's just you get into horror and you get into like jamie said people's influences and and then that's Mm -hmm. how you go back to other things so even just talking about dead by daylight and seeing the list of slashers or killers that you can choose from and then you kind of dive into oh well where did they come from what movies did these particular people come from you know because you have leatherface on there and you have freddy krueger and you have you know, Michael Myers or whoever and all that stuff. And you just kind of see where the, where the empty, empty holes lie. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's just interesting to go back, especially because vaguely remembering the Texas Chainsaw 3D that I, (laughs) that I saw, didn't see, don't remember, but I know I saw and (laughs) thinking what, where can I get an or um, origin story? There should just be Mm. a, Someone needs to just make a slasher origins for every single high trafficked slasher in the movie in the movie realm. Brian, you can make that happen. Sure, sure. <laughs> well, I mean, you could just watch uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning. <laughs> oh. Or that, yes. I forgot that was on the chain, um, the list. The chain, the, the chain. chain. I will say <laughs> something that I will never forget about this movie is um, how all these people acted. And I feel like we talk about how, like, this is the place where a lot of that started. Um, like, like a lot of things are. I also feel like this is a place where, like, people make dumb decisions. Like, like every mm. single one of these characters makes <laughs> a wild decision. I want to, like, I, you two talk about that because I, I just want to, like, hear what your thoughts are because each one of these people is ridiculous. <sighs> And, you know, Jamie mentioned something about with the, I believe Jamie said something about the hitchhikers and picking them up and your sense of, are you so naive that that's the thing? But then that led me to think about everything that happened, you know, in Hollywood in the 70s with the uh, Charles Manson family and all of those things and people just going into their houses because they were unlocked and even going back to uh, the OG Annabelle movie that that was kind of based off on because they were leaving their doors unlocked and these people were coming in and just... And so I think it seems like that was the time period 
where folks, and then you have to think about what was going on in the world too in the 60s and wars and Vietnam and all this stuff. And then people trying to come from a different place of all trying to be together and loving. And that's maybe where a little bit of the naiveness came out of. Not excusing it because I still was pissed about it every time I saw it. I'm just trying to justify it to myself. But I truly was absolutely upset that you're going to pick up this hitchhiker that is obviously making you feel uncomfortable. And then you, you're saying, oh, where can we drop you off? Oh, that's too far. Just drop them off anywhere. You literally have people, enough people, you are outnumbering this person to just push him out of the van and keep going. <laughs> and Brian made the great comment about, and then why are you not stepping on the gas? How is he keeping up? That was with insane. This van? That was insane. Everyone moves so, I don't care if it's Texas. Everyone in this movie moves so slowly. Like, I, I, so even, slow. even if it's fight or flight, like you spent 20 minutes screaming that living room when she goes into the attic and like is like help me to these like old dead people or not even that yes. dead in the chairs like and just like just like she's there screaming like these people didn't move fast enough for flight or fight they were just like <laughs> they were just like stand it wasn't yes. fight or flight it was like don't do Freeze. anything that's one Freeze is one okay well oh, jamie talk about okay. talk about all Sorry. of those i'm then, riled up and- nikisha <laughs> and i are riled up these <laughs> teens because truly please please talk about fight flight and freeze but then can you just at least justify for us in our in our madness that the freeze is not that long of a freeze but just talk about it or tell us you're the one who knows all the things (laughs) i know some things um a lot i don't know all the things though but yeah when we talk about like our our fight or flight or freeze or fawn in some circumstances. Um, it's, it's how we, it's like how we respond to like stress, um, our, our automatic stress response. Um, and so like our nervous system is like doing all of these things for us to survive some type of dangerous situation. So, uh, so fight is like, you know, taking action, like either fighting the person or like doing something to like you know, remove the, the danger. Um, flight is escaping, running away. Um, you know, get doing what you need to do to get out, uh, freeze, which my body seems to be really fond of when Brian scares me by coming up or downstairs when I'm (laughs) in the kitchen, um, is when you like render yourself immobile. Um, and, and like you were literally frozen in place. Um, and then I had mentioned that there sometimes is a fourth option, which is fawn, um, which is kind of like appeasing the person who who presents a threat. Um, oh. You see that one a lot in like intimate partner violence, um, mm-hmm. and so so that's that's a fourth um, a fourth option. But like you know, the original fight or flight idea comes from like what what is our body actually doing in response to a perceived threat. Um, our, our heart rate increases, we're, we're breathing more. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our brain is telling our body to like send more oxygenated blood to our muscles to like get us ready for, are we going to fight off this thing yeah. or are we going to have to like run away? Um, so increased blood pressure, um, because of that, then like we might have, have like flushness in our face, um, or we might be super pale, Um, Mm -hmm. our muscles might become tense. We might shake or tremble as a result of that too. Cause again, like our body is trying to like 
prepare itself for one of these actions. Um, our pupils dilate so that we can see, allows light into our eyes so that we can see better. Um, uh, you might have dry mouth because our, our blood vessels around our mouths are constricting. Um, and so, and, and like, it can feel like panicky, like you're having a panic attack because, because of the, the adrenaline pumping through our veins. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's like fight or flight with the freeze. Um, our heart rate actually, uh, dips and, um, and we still have the muscle tension because like we're not moving. Um, again, as I say, that happens to me often. Mm Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, oh, I also just uncovered, there's another one where you might lose consciousness and they call it a flop. Mm. I'm not really into, um, that name. Maybe they could come up with something better, but, uh, maybe faint is probably better than flop. I don't know why you would call it a flop. Um, but, but yeah, so, um, so, you know, in an extreme, I mean, an extreme threat that you are perceiving, um, and your body going into this often is, is not good, um, mm-hmm. for your body and for your mental health. Um, and so, uh, and also like the body needs some kind of way to like, and like, it's kind of like a, a cycle that needs to complete. So if, if there is a perceived threat and your adrenaline is pumping and like all of these things are happening and you're like not able to follow through or like, like you feel this feeling ongoing, which is kind of what like long-term anxiety is, is just like Mm. this ongoing thing. Mm -hmm. We really need some way to like kind of purge this out of our system, which is why we like run or we fight or we like, freeze and then at like fully freeze for a period mm-hmm. of time. And then like our body kind of like, you know, tries to return back to a state of, of normalcy. Um, but like with anxiety, sometimes it's hard to do that. And so like figuring out with, with different coping skills, are there ways to help kind of manage and like complete the stress response process so that we're right. not like carrying this for extended periods of time. And it seems as though we can safely say a lot of the victims of Leatherface were in the freeze phase, except I guess for the first guy, he literally just got caught off guard and got hammered in the head while walking (laughs) around in someone else's space. But everyone else, it was more of a freezing moment and that just gave Leatherface the upper hand as opposed to... The final girl. Let's let's talk about let's talk about her and her uh, decisions. Even though she was caught, and then that whole entire scene where they're trying, the grandpa's trying to hit her in the head, and then Leatherface is trying to help him, and that whole ordeal, and she ends <laughs> up making it out of that. It's mm. it's. I guess I don't even have really any thoughts about her because, like I said before, I was expecting. <laughs> her to just also go down in flames because I mean she made it out but talk about a slow moving vehicle that truck that she jumps on as well was a slow moving vehicle I everything people... very slow is there like a like a very low can someone let us know uh dm us if they're what the speed limits in in <laughs> yes. um, texas are because that's it's just mm. Too much, too much. I will say this. This is going to be a random thought, but Mm. we spoke about this, I believe, in Nightmare Alley 
But there's a whole section about horoscopes that happen in the beginning where they're all in the van mm. and the horoscopes depict that there is going to be not such a great day. Mm. And, you know, Doing when we great. were talking about Nightmare Alley and you were looking up your, which actually, I don't even think we told the people what your rising. Oh, no. Oh, my God. And all when that I, stuff is. I'll let you look. I'll let you look it up. But I got to do it all over again. <laughs> So I guess, and this is going to be kind of not a question, just uh, your thoughts on this, but there is a sense of when we talk about Nightmare Alley and our wanting to believe what our signs are, the characteristics of our signs, because there's a sense of wanting things to be centered around us. And so we kind of make things about us when it might not necessarily be about us. And so even when just having them say the horoscope that there is probably going to be a tragic day, how much of yourself is the one that's making the bad things happen mentally because that's been planted in your brain as opposed, Mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to you just going on about your day and then coincidences happen, i.e. Leatherface just coincidentally comes and kills all of you. But in (laughs) this instance... You know, sometimes we get into our own brains about things about us that might not necessarily be true in our inner critics and inner voices, you know, in cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, your inner critic comes (sighs) and tries to do things. But I guess my question, not a question, is can you just talk about sometimes believing what you want to believe as opposed to things that are actual reality? So, and especially with the horoscope, because they're already dooming themselves because they have heard this bad news and they're carrying it mentally Mm. as opposed to just being in their reality and moving forward. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's not really a question, but just an observation. No. (laughs) I mean, it makes me think of like self-fulfilling prophecies in a way where it's Mm. like you're like, I mean, I think there is something to like hearing that and it, it impacting your expectations and then seeking out things or acting out in ways that confirm your own expectations. Yeah. I don't know if that's necessarily to say that like it foretold that Leatherface was going to kill them all. Right. But <laughs> but like I don't know, maybe does that then influence their ability, like you said, to make a decision to like a smart decision to save themselves or mm. were they doomed from the start because because something was planted in their head telling them that they weren't going to be successful in getting away, which is like a really interesting thought. But I, there's also a part of me that I think partially because of like, you know, our biological responses to, um, threats and fears that like, there's still the element of like, at least trying and making a decision that's like, that's smart for you in that moment versus, Versus situations like this where it's like, we know we're watching a movie. So like, we're going to watch people make a lot of like really silly mistakes and things like that. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it's like, what, like, I think even I turned to Brian at one point and I was like, like, what do you think about what they're all doing? Like, would you do this? And, and I forget what your response was, Brian. (laughs) Did I say no? (laughs) (laughs) no but you you said something specific about like some of the things that they were doing and I can't remember like what you said that you would 
definitely not be be doing. Oh, because I was like, would you just like go into these houses? No. Like, would you yeah. just like, and then would you leave your friends to like attempt to find a watering hole? Like things like that, where it's just like, why are you, why are you doing this? Also, oh, it was that you said like, no, I wouldn't have like left the gas station. I wouldn't have like, these are the things mm-hmm. that it makes me start thinking about. I wouldn't have picked up the hitchhiker. I wouldn't have been on empty on gas. I would have gotten the gas. Like I just like wouldn't be in the situation yes. that these jabronis were in. However, <laughs> I also, I also like, I wouldn't just like drive onto land again. I, I, I mean, I'm a Jersey boy. Like I, I've done wild things in New Jersey, but like I'm also not a Texas <laughs> kid because like Texas kids do probably wilder things. Um, but like I wouldn't have gone to this house. I wouldn't go into someone else's house if it was open. Like right. I, I don't know. I also like as annoying as Franklin was. Also super progressive. That he was in a wheelchair for 1974. Um, Yeah. But he was, but he was also annoying and the dumb brother. However, he was the only one making good decisions. Like, hey, how about we stay Mm. at the van? Like, not good decisions. That was the only one. That was the only one. That's what I'm thinking because that was when he was at his (laughs) most annoying. But like, he was annoying at the beginning. He was, but like, uh, I just thought it was just like, uh, all the decisions in this movie were, were just so bad. Like, the one that blew my mind is why you wouldn't speed up. Why wouldn't you speed yes. up? That doesn't right. make sense to me. However, or even oh sorry, go ahead. No, no, go for it. Well, I was going to say, and even back to that van scene with him and Sally, and she, her trying to get the flashlight from him, and he's saying, "No, I don't want you to go. We should just that stay infuriated here. me." <laughs> and she just said, "I'll just go without the flashlight into no. the abyss." You're not hearing any of your friends anywhere. You are in an abandoned area. That was just so crazy of her to think, oh, get, no, I'm just going to go and try to find these people because something, I mean, they didn't, they don't hear the, the honking horn in this middle of nowhere. There's no other sounds that are happening. If they were alive and well, they would have heard that horn and they would have been on the way back. But that's just not the case. And you just cut your losses and you just got to go. And you come mm-hmm. back with the police or a, a squad of people <laughs> that can help you, not just I'm going to try to do this yourself. Yeah. That brings up the question of like, when, at what point do characters know they're in a horror movie? Because like at that mm-hmm. point, they didn't know that they were in a horror movie. And, and the same thing mm-hmm. with like when we watched Friday the 13th, nobody in that movie knows that there's a killer on the loose. You know, mm-hmm. like, like they're all just being hunted down without them knowing. So in this one, like, you know, when do characters know that, like, I feel like slasher movies, it takes people a lot longer to know they're in a horror movie than like, I don't know, maybe that's not true. Then like something like Hereditary where like, um, or something like that, or the Babadook or something, Mr. Robert Duke, like, like something <laughs> like that. I don't know. I think all these different types of horror movies, like at what point do you realize you're in something horrible or something horrible is happening to you? And that affects your decisions because like when she's at the, um, when she is at the, when she finally gets to the gas station after that chase and then the guy, like she realizes that like the guy's turning on her, um, the gas station mm-hmm. owner, like she's kind of like shooken up. She just went through trauma. She's like, like being comforted by this stranger, like actually like mm-hmm. hugging him and like needing that touch or whatever. Like, did that feel real to you, Jamie, as someone who like may understand like, like that, like fight or flight, like not even PTSD, but just like being in that moment trauma. Like did that scene feel weird Mm. to you? Did it not feel weird to you? 
I don't, I don't know. I feel like it's hard. I don't know. There's something about this movie in particular that I also find hard to like apply real life stuff to like how someone in real life would like be processing or experiencing something because, because I feel like the actions just don't make sense. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I'm having a hard time like kind of articulating it, but there's just something where it's like really hard to apply. And maybe it, it, maybe it is because it's like an older movie and, and now I, I feel like some, you know, silly young millennial, but like (laughs) it just, I, I feel like there's something I, I didn't like dislike this movie, but it feels like there's something missing to me. I respect it for like what it did for the genre, but I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe there's like something that doesn't quite land for me, and and maybe I'm you know showing my bias towards like more contemporary horror films. But like I I just have a hard time like connecting with a lot of these characters in mm-hmm. order to kind of sense how realistic they'd be processing something like this. Yeah, which that's interesting just going into what it is, which is just gore porn in in the horror movie genre where there is no kind of sense of relationship or seeing yourself in these characters or seeing other people, you know, and no relatability, I guess is what I'm I'm trying to say. And mm. is that the purpose? You know, they don't give a purpose of why these people are being killed or whatever. Is it is the purpose of this just to give you something so unsettling and that is the sole purpose, like that is the job that is being done with this movie. And I don't know. It seems like that's probably what it is because there is not a lot of dialogue happening here. There's just a whole lot of screaming all the time and just people getting killed. So is it just, you know torture porn for the sake of torture porn to me yeah which is why I even when we were talking before we started recording I really didn't have a lot of questions about mental health because it was hard to even try to have some sense of relatability to try to justify anything involving mental or human behavior because everything was just so at the extreme of things not to do like this should be a uh what not to do when you're being, <laughs> when you're in a slasher movie <laughs> type I, situation. Yeah. It, it's interesting. Cause like, even though I, I have a hard time, like I have a hard time relating to it and like relating to the characters. I don't think that it's like fully gore porn. And mm. I also, I don't think, I don't think that every movie needs to have like a very clearly written, like, you know, not, not that this doesn't have a purpose, but I don't think it's purposeless, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, but I uh, – long pause. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a really hard time, again, with, like, some of these movies because I, I think about, like – you know, how the, the genre of, of horror has evolved over time. And like, I think that there is something scary to like people just doing things and, and not always having the reasons because like Mm -hmm. that, that speaks to like our, our primal fears that speaks to like our fears of stranger danger and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Like the few stories that exist of like 
the bad people out there that like just want to be bad or like it makes me think of the strangers spoiler alerts for a movie that came out in like 2006 i think <laughs> of like you know people why why are they attacking these people cuz they were home um like movies like that where where you know there's no connection between like the killers and like why they're doing what they're doing and and their victims or the survivors mm-hmm. um but like that there is an element of like fear and anxiety that comes from that because like i think we as a society like always are assuming that it's the the strangers who are disconnected from us that like want to target us when in yeah. reality it's actually we're like we're more likely to be like assaulted and harmed by acquaintances by people we know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and but like this is scarier to us and i think that that's really in, like from a human behavior perspective i think that's really interesting yeah. so like i think that there's also that piece of why it's unsettling for me because like you know, if it was like scream, I know that I'm not going to get attacked because I have nothing to do with Sydney Prescott. Um, but like if my name was Sydney or I was her cousin, I mean, maybe that would make me the killer spoilers, but like, you Mm -hmm. know, like if, if there was like those types of things where it's like, it's scary to you because there's something that's like connecting with you. This is scary to me because like, it's kind of random. And therefore like there is no, there are no rules that help you survive. Right. Just, you're just like, hope that you don't, you know, like end up with no, with no gas in the middle of nowhere in Texas at some dilapidated home that your grandpa used to live in. Yeah, for sure. Oh, no, that's great. That's, that's a great point to make. And with that, I would just say, I mean, any other final thoughts about this? No, that was, that was a really good uh, point just about relating to things and what we see as a threat as opposed to what is depicted and and why we relate to those things and why things are unsettling in that way. But yeah, no, this, it's all, it's all good things. Any other lasting thoughts on the fabulous Texas chainsaw? I can't stop thinking about the word head cheese. Like I literally can't get it out of my head. cheese. Oh, Just, yes. Also, just describing any type of slaughter in that way, it is very Ugh. unsettling. Even no, if you don't you. see it, just them yeah. talking about it. Too it was, much. It was, very, it was too, too much. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are we rotten tomatoing it, Brian? Yeah. Let's rotten tomatoes okay. this bad boy. It's the rotten tomatoes game. <laughs> I didn't like that either. Cool. <laughs> okay, what percent do you think this has on Rotten Tomatoes? Well, you said mixed reviews. I'm gonna say, but that was in the that was when it first came out, and I don't think Rotten Tomatoes oh, existed. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I'm still gonna give it. I'm gonna give it like a 45. I'm gonna say hmm. 45. Jamie, um, I'm gonna give it an 82. It has an. 89%. Oh my gosh. Thanks people, to a love it. Thanks to a smart script and documentary style camera work, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre achieves start to finish suspense, making it a classic in a low budget exploitation cinema. Hmm. Exploitation. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Okay. Oh, I do want to say, like, I would never choose, for me personally, I would never choose, like, this type of a movie over, like, another specific type of movie in terms of horror, yeah. like something more contemporary or whatnot. But, like, I enjoyed it for what it was. And, 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 uh, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's all I got to say about that. Maybe we need to, maybe 
like, you know, us doing our, our horror homework, we should kind of look into more like exploitative films because I think that that's, that's like an area that maybe we don't have a lot of like experience in and and maybe that will help kind of like give more context to, to like these types of films in this conversation, because Mm -hmm. that's, that's an area that like I've read a lot about, but haven't actually watched a lot of those movies. I used to like be obsessed with like reading about like B and C horror movies and, and like all of these things, but like was very afraid of them. So I, <laughs> yes. I know my, my own limitations. It's a good idea. Yeah. Um, we well, should. with that being said, should we, uh, do the four S's? Yes. Skull, scare, shakes, and suggestions. The talking horror's four S's. <laughs> Okay, as we all know, the four S's are skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. Um, We rank Mm -hmm. them one through ten, and then we do our suggestions. So let's start with you, Nikisha, with skulls. Um, How did this deal with mental health and human behavior? Zero. I I just (laughs) was so mad. I have to give it a zero. I don't care if it's feeding into a specific type of horror genre. I can't can't deal with it. (laughs) Jamie? Um, I think I'll give it a two. For the most part, I was really perturbed by everybody's choices, but at least in the end, Sally was like trying to get away. I think that yeah. in when she's sitting in the gas station, she's like, when she has that moment to breathe, you see her looking around and they're like zooming in on stuff. And I feel like that's her trying to kind of like gather her thoughts and, and like take it all in in that moment. And I felt like mm-hmm. that was real. So a two from me, please. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go right in between the two of you. I'm gonna do a one for the all the same nice. reasons. Oh, good number. Good um, number. Scares. How scary is this movie? Oh, uh, I'll give it a three just for the unsettlingness of it all. And even though you don't, I will give it that for the hammers on the head and the bodies on the hooks. Hammers on the head. Bodies on the hooks. Just a horror for horror. (laughs) Uh, Jamie? (laughs) Oh, my God. I forgot that I sent you that. (laughs) Oh, great song. Great song. (laughs) Um, I'm going to give it the six. It really disturbed me. I was really surprised at, like, how I was physically feeling on the inside. I, I am typically not disturbed by horror movies. And, like, this really... Ugh, it really got me. So, yeah. Well, um, mm-hmm. I'll also give it a six for the same reasons. Uh, shakes. Are you going to be able to shake off this uh, this chainsaw? This first oh. in a chainsaw of movies. Claps for that for sure. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to give it a two, just because I will only truly remember it for the name of it all. And it does make me want to go and look at all the other ones. Maybe look at that mm. Leatherface Beginnings movie. Ooh. Jamie? Um, I'm going to give it a five. I'm still feeling pretty unsettled. Uh, my stomach is still kind of turned. I kind of was like, do I really want to keep eating dinner while watching this movie? I don't. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling kind of icky. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give it a six um, because it was uh, icky and weird. 
and all that yeah. screaming. Nikisha, all that screaming, did this woman ruin her voice forever? Absolutely she did. I <laughs> made a comment in my notes that said, why are you still screaming? Your voice has got to be gone by now. And then you have to think about when people are filming that it just wasn't one take. I mean, maybe it could have been just one take, but you don't do just one take. You do multiple. Yeah. And she was screaming for 45 minutes of the hour and a half movie. How are you still, what else has she been in? Probably nothing because she has no voice no more. <laughs> That's uh, about that. <laughs> cool. And then uh, sug- suggestions. What would you suggest to go along with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Oh, a two-pack. I don't know. Jamie can go first. Oh, I was going to wait to go last. <laughs> okay, I'll go. Um, okay. You can go one of two ways. You can just watch Black Christmas in terms of like a 70s movie that's new right. and whatnot. But I actually am going to choose one of my favorite cannibal movies, um, which is Bone Tomahawk. Bone Tomahawk mm. is an awesome disturbing wild west movie um about like this town uh and then they kidnap some of the people from town the cannibals do it is it is awesome yes it's very othering of natives and things of that nature um but the movie is brutal it is gory it stars um uh, kurt russell as well as patrick wilson um it's awesome i would highly suggest it i love that movie uh okay i i mean i'm terrible at the suggestions as we all know but i when we were talking about cannibalism i was thinking of the history of it and i kept trying to remember the actual historical event that happened with the donner party and all that Mm -hmm. jazz so Mm -hmm. i'm just going to suggest that 2009 movie the donner party drama western but with a little bit of cannibal A little bit of cannibal. (laughs) All right. I have two. One I have not seen, so I'll start with that. Um, I was – so I went in the direction of um, people who are traveling and end up in these crazy, wacky situations. Mm -hmm. Um, So the first one I have is Wolf Creek. Um, Mm. I I remember hearing about this – I remember hearing about this on um, like, oh man, it was like Bravo's like 100 scariest movie moments. I loved watching those documentary series, Mm, spoil all those movies for me. Um, Mm. But there is a scene that I will not spoil that that has prevented me from seeing this movie. Um, Yeah. I'm I'm already grossed out thinking about it. Um, So that's one and that takes place in the Australian Outback. And then... Another movie that I actually really, really enjoy um, that I think I made Brian watch um, during the pandemic is The Devil's Rejects. Um, Oh, boy. (laughs) Which is the sequel to House of a Thousand Corpses. It's it's, uh, another Rob Zombie Zombie classic romp uh, starring – his wife and Sid Haig and, and Bill Mosley. Um, and it's a direct sequel to house of a thousand corpses, which I've only seen once and it's not a good movie. It's not the devil's, (laughs) the devil's rejects is a great movie. I love this movie. I've seen it many times, but I think that it's a really, really excellent, uh, 
slasher film of like, again, a family of horrible people doing horrible things to people. And, Mm. um, and the ending scene is, is incredible and, and features Freebird. Like you can't go wrong. Nice. Um, I would also just like to say that I found my ticket stub for Wolf Creek. Um, I saw, I saw it on Christmas December 25th of 2005, my sister and I went to an AMC uh, and saw Wolf Creek at like 8.30 at night. That sounds fantastic. What a Christmas. (laughs) What a merry, merry Christmas. What a black Christmas. Yes. Mm -hmm. Fantabulous. Well, I think that wraps up our chat about Texas Chainsaw getting ready for the new one that is coming out on Netflix, which we will also be covering. So get on ready for that exchange. It's going to be a fun time. I'm excited to see. It is a direct sequel, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, from the 70s. I think so. I think it ignores all the other ones. Right. So a retcon, if you will, Mm -hmm. of all the other things happening. And yes, you can listen or you can follow us, excuse me, on all of the social meds, including Instagram and Twitter and TikTok at TalkHorrorPod, P-O-D. And you can see a bunch of TikTok content that we're putting out just about random trailers and how we feel about certain things, hot takes on uh, certain things. Brian has a lot of hot takes on some some things. We need <laughs> you guys' opinions about those. And Brian, where can they listen to us? You can listen to us wherever you get podcasts, uh, things like Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And thank and you. Thank you. Jamie, do you have a way to sign off? You want to sign off on this episode? Oh, man. I wish I could just forget about the head cheese. <laughs> a direct quote from Jamie. I wish I could just forget <laughs> about the head cheese. <laughs> this is less circusy less less fun a lot less fun all right thanks guys thank you